Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify, this is the 40 and 20 podcast with your hosts, Everett, and my good friend, <clears throat> AJ. Here we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. AJ, my man, how are you? I'm doing well. How you doing, Everett? Gosh darn it. I'm I'm so good. I'm here. I'm gonna I'm gonna well I'm gonna drink a beer. Ah, uh, the the tradition of the show right there. The, right, the traditional cracking of the beer. I can't quite do that with mine. I can I, I can crack my my I can clink my my mug, I guess. Uh I got I got a nice uh, a nice tea for this evening because we're kind of recording a little late. Uh, we are recording late, which is a perfect time for beer or tea. <laughs> True, true. It's a perfect time for beer or tea. I mean, there's there's no like uh, there's no bourbon in there or anything. Well, um, yeah, maybe some rum. No. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, so uh, if I'm not Andrew, where is he? Yeah, you know, uh, Andrew, our good friend, is taking a paternity leave. Ooh, is taking congratulations. Some paternity leave. It's it's unpaid. Oh, mm, yeah, mm, that's a thing. It's unpaid, but Andrew and his lovely wife, Sam, welcomed their second child into the world. Woohoo! Calvin, the young Calvin. man. The oh, young man. That's a, that is a dapper name right there. Yeah, that's what I thought. I'm going to call him Cal, which I assume is, the, which I assume is, is okay, unless they tell, say, hey, really, don't call my kid Cal. Uh, <laughs> but so far, so far, it seems fine. We went and met him when he was just, uh, I mean, really not even a day old which was so much fun to go meet a new baby i love oh, it oh that's wicked that's awesome i dig babies especially you know that if i i know i don't have to change the diapers or be up in the middle of the night yep nope i i do not long for those days you know i say i don't long for those days but part of me kind of does you know i've i've got <laughs> like my my uh maternal instincts all go crazy and i just the estrogen starts flowing i meet the little baby and mm, mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. yep yep with a lot of that going on <laughs> i feel you but i love getting all that going on and going mm, not my problem here you go good night i'm gonna go home now and get some rest <laughs> Yeah, I think that's about the same for me. You, you know, uh, I went. I we went out to the hospital with Kim. Um, Kim and I went out to the hospital to meet Cal and <clears throat> see Andrew and Sam. We brought we brought some beer and some like uh, we went to Rite Aid and bought some uh, like one dollar coffee cups, like uh, sippy cup plastic coffee cups, so they could ghetto style some beer in there. Uh, and that was fine, you know, with with. Everything that's going on at the hospital and and whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, just seems like, have a beer, you guys. Uh, So we got a big beer for them. And I I don't know if they drank it or not. I assume they did. But uh, yeah, that's good. Uh, And AJ. Yes. Our our sort of third host, our honorary honorary co-host and and oftentimes guest host. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for filling in. Thanks for pinch hitting, as it were. Hey, anytime. Have microphone. We'll travel with the uh, the lovely technology known as Skype. Right. <laughs> That's <laughs> Skype. I will say, uh, my phone just came on and said, I have a 20% battery. So, <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> okay. This might be a short show. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe, we'll, maybe we need to do it in two parts. Uh, I have confirmed that we're recording. Andrew's usually the backup on that. Uh, he's the one that says, hey, dum-dum, the light's still green, uh, <laughs> you know, and then we re-record the first, the 20 minutes of the show. So fortunately, we're red, we're rolling. Oh, good. Good. Uh, we're, we're rolling. A- any Anything anything interesting you want to talk about before we uh, shift into actual watch stuff? Um, I don't know. I mean, everything on my end, collection-wise, is going great. I've got, I mean, what's on my wrist is what we're kind of talking about. So, I mean, the only acquisition I've got recently is... You know this 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 guy right? I know there. you're beautiful, fair. So, uh, why don't you you know just by way of introduction for those of uh those of the folks at home who are listening who maybe don't know you, why don't you just do a yeah. brief introduction to yourself and who you are, where you're at, etc. Yeah, so uh, I'm AJ Barce. I'm one half of the Bellingham podcast. Uh, I, I co-host a show here in Bellingham, Washington, just just north of you guys. And uh, uh, my my cohorts Chris uh, Chris Powell, uh, we're both technologists by day co-horse. and freelancers. Cohorst, co. Yeah, that's the rum talking. So uh, 
<laughs> no, Chris and I, we, we, we've been running a show for about three, four years now. And uh, we talk about pretty much uh, anything that interests us, anything from um, a lot of outdoor stuff, um, Pacific Northwest culture, uh, watches, adventuring, EDC, technology kit, you know, all the all the doodly stuff, you know, all the, the usual good things. And, and, you know, in terms of in terms of your watch fam credentials, you know, I, I think Bellingham podcast, while not being a watch specific podcast, has roots in the watch community, but you've also done some speci- some watch specific podcasting uh, as yeah. part of the Bellingham podcast, and you have some projects too. Uh, some people will know about these, but can you talk about it just real quickly? Yeah, yeah. so uh, I would say we're watch adjacent. Um, we we kind of focus on much like when we talk about any type of technology, we focus on the tool part, and that's kind of where watches kind of comes in into the show. Uh, for watch fam cred uh i'm a modder so i've i've done some watch modding and uh i'm also the analog explorer so about uh i actually this my anniversary one year ago i did a photo project called the analog explorer it was a magazine my first foray in in, in producing a magazine and uh did i did a short small run um i'm you actually pre-ordered one and you have got a signed copy yeah 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 you have one of the skookum editions and uh so anyway uh that was really fun uh, and then out of that, I decided to, or the, the with the Bellingham podcast, we actually did a sponsored series called the Analog Explorer. And so we took on five folks within the Watch Fam that I kind of feel are uh, heavy hitters, but um, kind of the unsung stories within the Watch Fam. So we had uh, Dan over in the UK. I mean, he's he's kind of the tried and true guy of all things British military. Dan uh, Cy, what's his Instagram handle? He just got a new one. It's a uh, uh, timely. Oh man, I'm 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 blanking on it right now. Timely moments or mo- moment. Oh bummer! I should have had it up. Dang he it. just he just changed it. But uh, so anyway, I'll get back to Dan. So Dan uh, over in the UK, of course Terry over at Toxic Natos. Sure. Uh, uh, and then we had Elena. She was out. She's a actual watchmaker out of Seattle, Washington. Yeah. And uh, we had, let's see, we had Buying on Time out of uh, North Carolina. He's a, a vintage watch. Uh, bull of a guru. Uh, bull of a n- nut. And yeah. yeah, restores these beauties and, and sells them. And uh, for, what am I missing? Do, 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 do. Um, was there five of them or just four? No, there was five. And I did them all out of order. So, you know, <laughs> someone, that someone got the short shaft. Sorry, whoever you are. Oh no, AJ! It looks like you've frozen. Uh, I was trying to think. Yeah. Oh no, am I back? You're back. Come you're, back, you're... baby. Come back. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, good, because nobody wants to hear my singing. I, I, but, I mean, uh, uh, hauling oats though. We we can deal. We can deal. <laughs> but uh, oh oh, and Eric over at EA8. That's who. I was oh forgetting. gosh, darn it, Eric! Poor Eric. I love that guy. <laughs> Probably my favorite yeah, Watch Fam dude. So. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, we did that, and uh, that that turned out to be a, a separate uh, series that uh, may come back in the future. And uh, yeah, so I mean, I just I tinker. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm solidly a tinkerer. Yeah, sure. And and, and you've got uh, you've got quite a bit of experience in modding, but today we're not going to talk about modding. Nope. Uh, I think the last time we talked, we had John, we talked about modding. We talked about. Uh, companies that that you may be looking at and and watch projects and which watches are good hosts for modding. Uh, But this time, we're actually going to revisit a a topic that Andrew and I talked about um, a a period of time ago. We're going to revisit it. We're going to rehash some of the same material, but also talk about some watches, some goodies, some stuff to buy. So we are talking today about the sort of category the double category i think you could call it of gmt slash world time watches and this was your idea yeah uh largely because i have a brand new world time well i have two new world timers but a brand brand new one on my wrist courtesy my wife which is just absolutely fantastic uh a a really fantastic watch but wait we'll wait wait We'll wait. Let's start. Let's start and do some. So now that uh, I've successfully done the intro for the second time ever, um, and we've talked about we've talked about sort of Andrew's baby that was on the that was on the topics. We've talked about who the heck you are, AJ Barce. Uh, let, let's let's go back. So I'm actually probably if you're okay with it, I'm going to let our co-host uh, lead a little bit because you did <gasps> you did some really good research for this episode. 
Yes. You did some good research. And I'd love to get some of your thoughts on this, and I'll provide color uh, because that's what I do. Okay. But yeah, why don't you take it from the top? Okay. So where I wanted to start is actually, so whenever we talk about uh, GMTs or world timers or whatever, immediately people, there's like entrenched camps. And it's funny because you have people, especially GMT folks that are like, oh, it's is it a caller's GMT? Is it a flyer's GMT? Is it a mishmash GMT? Whatever. And out of that, I kind of, I don't know, like uh, I kind of, for me, I like to see the the history of things because personally, I don't really care. I mean, uh, I, I can appreciate the horological value of of what the movement can do if it jumps on the hour or whatnot. But not knowing kind of where we came from before we got the Rolex, let's face it, that's usually the movement that's usually referenced is the, the Rolex GMT Master or Master 2. Um, we kind of have to rewind in time because before we had GMT, world timers were actually the, quote, dual time zone uh, watches. And uh, if you w- rewind way back, you stumble across a watchmaker by the name of Louis Cotier. And my French is bad, so my apologies if you have any French listeners. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and you know what? I read it as Cotier. <laughs> Cotier. Yeah, no. Louis Cotier. It's, it's Cotier and not Cartier. It's, a, it's an O in his last name. Yeah, he's a different person. Come a to totally find. different person. Yes, yes. But... Uh, <laughs> But Luis is, I mean, he's a badass if you look at his CV. Uh, he was born in the, uh, the the wonderful era of 1894. And I believe his father, I don't have this in the show notes, but if I recall, his father was also a watchmaker and automata designer back in the day. So like those cool, um, uh, those, those cool like uh, mechanical robots type of thing. Right. Uh, I, ble- I believe his, his father was into that. So that's kind of how we got his start from what I understand. When we fast forward to the 1930s, that's when like Cotier, uh, Cotier uh, actually kind of brought forward this new concept of, um, I don't know, again, my French is bad, uh, basically means universal hours. I, think, uh, or, I find with French, if you, just, if you just gloss over the whole word, you just, universel. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think that's the right way. Yeah, you just uh, you barely pronounce it. Just uh, universal, uh, he- heavy on the vowels. Uh, universals, uh, or world time, basically, is what he was trying to, to discover, and he figured oh. it was a normal three handers, right? Yeah, you cut uh, out a little bit. That's okay. So yeah, uh, a, a three hand watch. Yeah, so we got normal three-handers, and he figured, hey, if I could get, if I could figure out a way to have a track go around the watch with uh, designated cities that uh, line up with certain zones, and if I had a 24-hour wheel attached to that movement, well, the wearer would be able to sync local time and sync the outer edge of the, the ring to their local city, and the 24-hour time in, in the inside would be able to track all, uh, all the other time zones around that local time, right? So that's what he figured out. So when you look at the original uh, world timers back in the 30s, 1930s, right? and, and world timers were being used. Um, pocket watches predominantly then moved up in, obviously into wrist watches as they became more hip. Now, uh, now, have you, I mean, have you seen one of these operate? Because reading the descriptions, yeah. uh, it, it's a little bit tough to understand, but the the cities actually move backwards. Yeah, so it's counter... Well, I think I think it's the, the cities, you can go bi-directional. It's, it's the hour in the inside that counts counterclockwise, I okay. think is how the movement originally worked, um, which I think is similar to like the, the ETA 28 or uh, 2893 yeah, right. uh, world time movement. Right. Uh, but it, it, so with, with regards to the inset um, um, disc... But uh, it was it was a novel concept when, you know, basically on your wrist, you now not only had local time, but then you could see all the other, you know, major time zones around the world. Uh, again, that's before all that happened was way before Rolex ever came out with a GMT master. So when we look at this, um, so where, where did Cotier go with this? I mean, obviously, 1930s, this homie totally knocked it out of the park with this this type of complication. Well, one year after the world time complication uh, debuted, 
Ever heard of Vacheron Constantin? No. Is, is that a watch company? Yeah, I think that's a watch company. I think they're in Switzerland. I think they're a, they're a big deal. Yeah. Uh, Never they commission they commissioned him in 1932 to build the reference 3372 and two other uh, movement references, a, a, a 3650 and a 3638 um, between 1932 and 1936. Uh, and, and and as wristwatches started to kind of pick up over pocket watches, you know, those hip new things. Those, Apple, those new, weird things. Those weird things. You know, it was Apple before Apple, right? Uh, Patek Philippe also approached Cotier. And uh, to produce uh, the the first world timer wristwatch in 1937 uh, for Patek, so yeah, so this guy, you know, kind of figured out, uh, kind of solved for X, right? We've got we've got the, a method of being able to sync up local time, city times around 24 hour time zone, and fast forward again, we've got. Um, there's something else actually that, that kind of jumps in there and I forgot to mention, which is uh, 1884, the International Meridian Conference in Washington, D.C. established what Greenwich Mean Time would be. Uh, and in 1929, all the major cities uh, adopted that because without that, you know, obviously there's no way for somebody to sync up that outer 24-hour bezel because um, nobody had a standardized time zoning. Whew. So there's a good history lesson. Yeah, and and you know what I I think that it's easy to sort of you you know maybe forgive me for suggesting that a world time is not quite as in vogue or uh, perhaps as popular as a GMT. So I think that this history it, it's easy to sort of discount or gloss over this history in the grand scheme of things. But really, really, 1930. This is the the background be, behind any of these dual time watches, right? And I think that was right. your point when you started. But this yeah. is where we start. I think it's really easy to, you know, move forward to these GMT, Rolex, Pan Am collaboration watches. Yeah. And I'd say, well, this, so, is, this is the history, but without without these world time watches, we, we maybe don't get there, or certainly we don't get there in the same in the same path. No, and and on top of that, I mean, this is before like all of that happened before jet travel. Like you're taking right. you're taking a steamer across the Atlantic. You know, the, that, <laughs> right. just pretty neat to think about that idea that we go back in time pre GMT to actually develop the the history of GMTs, and, and not in sort of an oblique way, like you know, oh, really, you need to go back in time to the sundial, but you know, <laughs> in a more direct influence uh, uh to to that category of watches yeah well i mean it, it sets the tone so you've you've got you've got you've got this guy who's just at the turn of the century you know with the 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 horological background you know that that kind of developed the fact that this movement came about at the same time that gmt was established and then adopted that led everything up to the uh the hysteria that is the gmt movement right uh, we've got, we've got 1952. Okay. The first intercontinental passenger jet flight from England to South Africa. And that opened up the jet age. And so Pan Am reached out, or I don't know who reached out to who. I don't know if it's Rolex, uh, established it. No, it, was or Pan, it was Pan Am reached out to Rolex. Okay. Yeah. So Pan Am, Pan Am reached out to Rolex and was like, yo, we are, we're jet setting now. Uh, our pilots are having problems, you know, tracking a time zone from when they leave to where they're going, whatever. And thus Rolex created in, I think it was around 1954 is when, when Rolex kind of established the, the Rolex GMT master. Right. And so this allowed them to have a, a, a watch for pilots to be able to use on the fly by setting either a bezel, but also a, a fourth hand on the dial that they could sync up to a second time zone or sync it up to GMT. Now that that's been established now, what's funny about that is that was 1954-ish. 1953, Glycine introduces the Airman, which is a 24-hour dialed, uh, 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 24-hour dial watch with a bezel on the outside, so you could do the same thing with a dual 24-hour display. Uh, right. This is it, like the this is like the space pen versus the Russian pencil. <laughs> right. Right. 
So, so, and and if you think about how the glycine did it, you know, you don't, you have a standard movement. It's basically a three hand movement for lack of better terms, but instead of it being displayed in 12 hours, they're used, they was slowed down and geared down so they could do uh, a sweep around the dial for 24 and having a secondary bezel, you could do this effectively the same thing. Rolex just decided to, to build it into the movement so that you would have a slaved hand. And that's the part that I find funny is those original uh, Rolex GMT Masters, it was a slaved fourth hand. So it wasn't a, uh, a, a jumping hour, you know, anything like it is today. Is that a pilot's GMT? I would say it is, seeing that Pan <laughs> it was, you know, uh, uh, Rolex tested and Pan Am approved. So, so uh, you know, knowing that, that that's the history, you know, I don't think anybody should get hung up on the fact that if you have, you know, what is a quote, a, a true GMT, well, it's any watch that tracks whatever other time zone or time zones that you need. Remember, it's a tool. You know, if you need, um, if you need something that has it built into the movement for whatever reason, um, then go for it. I think the 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 benefit of having it outside of the movement, like um, like like what uh, uh, Glycine was trying to do, is it's one less complication that can foul. Yeah, you know, you, it's not gonna it's not gonna break. Well, if it does break, it doesn't break anything else. Right. All oh, my bezels stuck. Yep. Oh oh. Yeah, pop it off and put a little bit of silicone grease. Call it a day. Right. Uh, so I I find that kind of an, an interesting juxtaposition. So of course without further ado that rolex the rolex gmt master right that's the six six five four two used the caliber uh 1036 and uh that movement used a slaved hour hand for the the quote the gmt hand um now what's also cool about this is is that you've got other other watches that will come out later that uses kind of a similar aesthetic like Seiko uh, later in, in the sure. 1970s kind of revisited that concept, but put it in a different form factor that wasn't a kind of a dive watch inspired case with a pilot's movement, you know, cause right. you know, having, having that type of case isn't really a flyers watch, you know, it's not like a Flieger or anything. Um, but uh, it was uh, the, the GMT Master II, which was in, introduced in 1983. Uh, Rolex gained the quick set uh, hour hand, allowing that the GMT uh, and the hour hands can be set independently, which is really skookum, right? You know, now you're able to not only set um, your GMT hand on a different uh, designation and then also set your local time without having it slaved to the, the hour hand. Now, skookum, uh, skookum just, just a quick aside. <laughs> Oh, oh, you know yeah. where I'm going with this. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. So skookum is a is a word that means something. <laughs> it's not an English word. This is a well, what, what's the tribe? Uh, uh well, it, it's it's Chinook jargon. It's a it's uh, Chinook jargon for yeah. like really fucking cool. It's really it's really yeah it's really good it's really uh yes it's really 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 fucking cool I forget I can swear on your podcast you can you can swear all you want no no FCC uh. <laughs> Uh, at least that we know of. Uh, however, for uh, a number of young lads that and 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 lasses that went through Warrior Forge or LDAC, as it was called when I went, uh, but the officer training school in Fort Lewis, or just people who have trained in Fort Lewis, Skookum means something very different. AJ, uh, Skookum. Yes. Skookum that is not the Skookum I was referring to. Is the brand of porta potties? <laughs> no, on no, it is not. So when we talk about a Skookum, so there's there's a there's a, a you know, hey, I need to hit the Skookum, <laughs> or hey, we've been hiking for you know seventeen hours. Have you seen a Skookum? <laughs> or don't do that there. Find a Skookum, or the the fabled mythical skookum love which is a thing that apparently happens uh not the same thing no no uh for all intents and purposes for uh this this uh, podcast and any other reference to skookum it will mean really dope shit that is what i'm going to claim it as <laughs> no <laughs> let, me, it, it's, let me be clear it, it is cool right we all yeah. of a sudden we've introduced uh this skookum uh 
independent hand, right? And, and truly right. independent, not not yeah. slaved in any way, completely independent. Uh, Maybe may slaved in some ways, right? Still right. slaved to the sort of underlying timekeeping mechanism, but independent of the hour minute hand that as or, or perhaps independent of at least the hour hand. Right, right. And and I think that that kind of harps back to like we were talking about with um, uh, Cotier is that like, you know, he when he built his movement, you know, he had envisioned the secondary disc that would count for this other time zone. And that's basically what the hand is doing. The only difference is it's you have a track that is just one through 24. Right. As opposed to Cotier, who's like, OK, instead of having the the, the uh, an outside ring have the the the. 24-hour designator. Let's put the cities there, and that way you can map it up for all of the time zones. Um, but I mean, th- what's interesting about this is that you've got Rolex that kind of, if you, if kind of a little bit skewed, is kind of pulling back from again the the horology that preceded it, which would technically be the the world time, right? Right. Um, and that's and that's kind of where I wanted to just kind of end because basically from the 80s forward, we're just getting. Uh, even more and more skookum engineering, right? We get uh, silicon balance springs. We oh, get, I'll give you some skookum engineering. <laughs> we get we get better manufacturing. We get different form factors, um, et cetera, and all the way up to today, where we get um, different different grade movements. Like um, we have ETA that also has their own GMT, which is sure. more of a you know callers GMT or whatever or whatnot. But I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that all of these movements. Or, or form factors do one thing and one thing well. Are you trying to track a second time zone or are you trying to track all the time zones for whatever reason you need them to do? Yeah. So so may, maybe 30 seconds or less, if you can, AJ, because uh, I've got two questions for you. One of those, the difference between a caller's or a pilot's or a jumping hour um, GMT, uh, hmm. what, what's the difference there? Practically, how might it affect me? So basically you're able to, on a, on a, on a, what a lot of people call as a true GMT is that when you're, when you land in your new time zone, you can change the hour hand and it doesn't change anything else on the, 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 the watch. So you don't lose any time. Um, all the other things are, are set. It just jumps on the hour. Um, as opposed to like when it's slaved, if you have to move that slaved hour, well, you're changing both the local and your, your time zone or GMT that you're tracking at the same time. So you you have to kind of like edge it forward. And then maybe like, um, a lot of the seagull movements that are, are GMT based, they'll, you'll have to set it forward and then you have to wind your local time back so that that hand stays on that, that zone. Sure. Um, I mean, that's for me, that's the reason why, like a lot of the times, if you're if you're going that route, I'd prefer to have a bezel because that way, at least with a slaved hand, it's set. And all you have to do is spin a bezel and you don't lose any time, you know, kind of like the same way that uh, the glycine airman originally kind of thought out. Right. Set it, forget it and just move a bezel because the the least amount of um, friction to be able to track through your secondary time zone when you land. And there's some orientation, probably some some visual orientation memory, right? You've got to get used sure. to, uh, now if I turn my head 35 degrees to the left, I, oh yeah, it's it's 2 o'clock back home. Oh, okay, so speaking of it's 2 o'clock back home, what, what do you think, what do you think, uh, and, and I might have some thoughts here too, but what do you think is the actual use today for a GMT or perhaps a world time watch, how are these practical for folks um, in in life? I, obviously, there's for pilots, they're going to be practical in, in a certain yeah. manifestation of their career, right? Uh, I'm I'm going to be landing in Honolulu for two hours, and then later I'm going to go to to Atlanta, and then maybe I'll finish up in Orlando or whatever, right? Yeah, but, yeah. But for someone for someone who doesn't have a, a time zone hopping jet setting career i mean how can this be practical right so i'm i'm not that i'm not i I would love to be the jet set type Uh, catch me me if you can right no uh not me for me it's communication uh i mean i have friends all around the world like the like at the top of the show we were talking about like i talked to dan in the uk i have friends in france i have you know, I, I used to have a sister-in-law in Indonesia, you know, and having for me having a GMT 
uh, didn't make sense um, because I had so many people in different time zones. That's why for years I was lusting after a a world timer that kind of fit one my aesthetic and two my lifestyle. Um, and I went through lots of different GMTs. Um, I had a I had a Ingersoll, which uh, used to be an American brand, but is now owned by a British conglomerate and uses um, Siegel based movements. Um, if or Siegel based or Miyota, I can't remember which ones they they use now. But um, I had one of those, and it was this big Horkin Ingersoll Lawrence, um, like thir- I, th- I I swear it was like probably like forty six millimeters, fourteen or fifteen millimeters uh, thick. It was a big Horkin, um, almost looked like a like a like a like a Chrono Fighter or or a, a Hanhart style watch. Sure, just and big. It was big and had wrist presence and it was great. Uh, and I, that was kind of my first foray into into a GMT where it had that slaved hand. Uh, just I realized that horkin of a watch doesn't work for me. Uh, yeah, right. For, right. You know, um, as so many I, people realize early on in the watch in the watch collecting game. Yeah, you know, I I was I you know I, I saw some some Panerai's and I was like I like that big aesthetic, you know. And then once you have it on wrist for quite a while, you realize eh, getting it under motorcycle leathers. In my case, it kind of got a little bit difficult. Um, but you know, I, I you know I, I liked having that second time zone tracking because I could you know uh, follow my buddy uh, Dan who's in the Navy. He was stationed over in Japan. You know, when do I sync up to call him because he's 14 hours ahead or whatever? You know, uh, I, I see it as a, a communication tool um, and, or a business tool. Yep, that would be it. Yep, that big horkin thing. I Great like legible. I, I like the the uh, pushers on that. Big sort of citizen-like pushers. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was great. Uh, the, the so the 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 dial is kind of that um, like I said that Chrono Fighter style, um, not a Flieger, but very uh, aviation centric uh, sure. dial, legible as all get out. And the details that they put into it was actually pretty pretty killer. The the um, the date window uh, actually in between the dial and the movement actually had another piece of glass. So oh, it wasn't. Yeah, but it wasn't on the crystal. Yeah, I can see it. That's cool. Yeah. It was like I said, they put a lot of detail into it for being a kind of a more low end watch. Hundred and eighty five bucks or so, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. I think I bought it for like two something uh, yeah. at the time, and uh, it all. Yeah, you know, it had a basic calendar function. That seagull movement. You actually the red pusher. Actually, you have to advance the. I think the the day of the week by hand. It was, it was a weird movement. <laughs> it's seagull. Whatever. Right. Um, but it, you know, it got me kind of you know, kind of using it as a tool. And, and, you know, of course, much like all of us, once I got done with it, I flipped it, it found a new home. And then I started looking for, um, I looked at vintage stuff, honestly, cause I really liked, you know, that the smaller form factor, et cetera. And, uh, I found Seiko back in the day, yeah. did some killer world time and GMT stuff that they don't bring forward. Well, and they still do. I mean, Seiko, uh, has so many neat world time and, uh, NGMT watches right now even yeah but so so yeah so they they do in, with regards to like um they 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 have like the 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 Grand Seiko stuff right the spring I think there's a spring drive GMT there's a kinetic one that's in one of the the dive like the shrouded diver I can't think of what what the uh, yeah I know what you're talking about that big tuna sun GMT yep 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 exactly and that's all well and good but like really there's not a there's no like Seiko automatic mortal priced mortal size right, right. so yeah i mean the, i mean mortal size because those spring drives you know th- they can get pretty horking on the wrist uh meanwhile if you look at at seiko's history back in the 70s you know and even the the late 60s they had an entire suite of world timers and and navigator timers for gmts that went by the uh, the six one one seven case. So you had the or the uh, or six one one seven movement. So you had the Seiko six one one seven eight thousand, which I call the OG Seiko navigator timer. Uh, had a, a bezel on the outside, slaved GMT hand. You know, you're able to you were able to do basically what the original Pan Am one um, was kind of designed at, right. and. Uh, the six one one seven eight thousand. You know, 
that one moved into um, I think it was the six or I guess it would it would go into mine that I've got, which is the six one one seven sixty four ten, and um, it's it's basically the same concept except the bezel is on the inside, right? And right. it's all driven by one single crown, which is you know uh, tilted to the side, kind of like the the SKX, right? And I love this thing, you know. It's so I this think is it's, actually your first watch. First GMT. This this uh, is your first uh this is your first watch for for uh parlay today. Oh for yes, yes, for yeah, uh, actually on, on the show in my hands right now, yes. So the Seiko 6117 6410 is what you have. That's the world time version of this. And this is a 60s. This is a 1960 Seiko. Oh no! So the, the so the sixty four ten is uh, the navigator timer, which is what I've got. The sixty four hundred is the the world timer uh, variant that you see um, on Instagram a lot. That's the one that's got oh. either the, the the black linen, the the silver linen, uh, and the world time bezel around. It's the same case and the same uh, basically uh, the same movement, same everything. It's just different. Uh, actually, I guess it's it's a I think it's a slightly different case now. I think about it. Um, yeah, it might be a slightly different case, but same form factor, kind of a cushion style case, you know, um, like a kind of like a turtle, but not. And, and and so these are automatic. Yep, they're all automatic and slaved, uh, slaved GMT hand. And the reason why I like the navigator timer version versus the the the, the passive world timer is again, you just spin the crown in this case because it's got sure. an internal bezel. And you can just set it and forget it like a normal GMT. If you if you have to change the time, you know, you, let's say you land because you are jet setting, whatever. Um, you set your time. Sure, it moves your slaved hand, but just like a, an original GMT master, you just move the bezel and you're all done. Right. You know, um, I just I like the simplicity of it, and I wish I wish they would bring it back. Right. Or or you or you just keep it depending on the length of your trip and figure out how to tell time on your off your GMT time. Sure. Off your sure. off your twenty four hour hand. Sure, and and that gets it. So and that that brings up another point. So the seventies, I love the funk of the seventies, man. When it comes to watches, yeah, you know, like so you had department store brands back in the day. You had Montgomery and Ward that right. would commission watches from uh, Legant and stuff, and that was the, the the kind of the second one that I brought onto the show for today. Is and you've seen this one in person. I brought I it down to yeah. Portland. Yeah, it's a um, neat watch. I love the dial on this thing. So I've got, uh, and I'll shoot you links for for the show. But Legant, um, the Legant QS Automatic World Time uh, Skin Diver, kind of the same style of case. I think it's forty or forty and a half. Um, but it is just a standard three hander with a day date window. Um, matter of fact, if you crack the movement on this thing, it would look similar to like an SKX, uh, like the the seven S two six movement. Yeah, right, right. Um, really fact, utilitarian. In fact, didn't Seiko make some of these movements? So kind of, um, uh, ha, uh, Ham, Ham, Hamazagawa, I might be sl- messing up the, the, the name of that one, uh, was a company that Seiko acquired later during the quartz crisis. So this is actually a pre-Seiko owned, uh, Ham, Hamazawa, uh, movement. Oh, I see. Uh, so not, not really Seiko at all, but a company no. that Seiko would later acquire. Right, right. And so like when you look at this and I, I cracked the back on it and took a look and it does, it looks a lot like a 7S26. Um, so this world timer is really fun cause it's got, uh, it's got three, uh, 12, six and nine on the dial, but also has a chapter ring that has the 24 hour equivalent. So 12, it's got 24, one's got 13, you know, quote military time for sure. when it's in the afternoon. And then there's the bezel. The bezel on the outside is bi-directional and it has 12 cities. So this is a passive world timer where basically you have your time, you know, on the dial you set whatever the time is uh, on local time. So, for instance, I'm I'd be LA in this case, and I would set it to the time, and I can then count on the dial whether if I knew that they're ahead or uh, behind me, and I can tell what what their time is without even having a movement complication. And these passive world timers, they were kind of you saw them a lot on skin divers, um, they, like Walbrook, uh, Douglas, um, Legant. A lot of department store brands um, sourced these this type of thing because it got you kind of that jet set vibe without the cost. I mean, these were low cost um, automatic 
watches that you could easily buy. Just a printed uh, rehot or or chapter ring, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Um, what was cool about Legant, which uh, was was featured at Montgomery Ward, uh, which was a department store here in the United States. Um, during its era, it had three different variants. So like the early, earliest version of this that I found had a Swiss hand wine movement in it, uh, which is kind of fun and funky. Right. Then, then it was later replaced by a Swiss Rondomatic. Um, and those ones, uh, those ones you'll usually find on like the, the, the bay for a little bit more for some reason. They're more coveted. Personally, I like the Japanese version. Um, they're usually, you find them a little bit cleaner and the cases are a little bit cleaner. Um, and from what I, 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 this thing pretty much looks like it, it, it was worn probably twice in the seventies and was put in a sock drawer and then yeah, I got pristine. it. Right? Yeah, totally pristine. Um, and that's usually what I find when I find the, the Japanese versions of this. Well, and this thing was probably 60 bucks in 1978 or whatever, yeah, right? Probably, yeah. uh, probably every bit of that. I haven't, I, I'd like to find an ad for this, honestly, and, and kind of get it on my wall. Frame I think it. Yeah. kind of be kind of fun. Um, so anyway, that, that's the Legant and, and the Seiko that I have. And then, uh, and then I've got the, the most recent edition, which is the Fair Rocher, which is their, uh, new world timer that got announced about a month ago. Let's and, talk about this thing because it <laughs> is a total freaking stunner, dude. Yeah. So the the, the Rocher, it was what's funny about this is so Which I, is I followed, different than Ferrero Rocher, right? It, oh, very, very much. There's no chocolate on this, bud. Okay. No, no chocolate. No chocolate. But there's a lot of loom. Yeah. A lot of loom. Loom for days, loom. So you know, Ferrer uh, is a is a brand that I don't think we've talked about on the show. And and th- some of that probably has to do with um the price point i know we've talked about one or two of these uh watches but tell i mean tell tell some folks what fairer is because i think it's a neat brand and and we just don't know it oh yeah look at that it's just glowing yeah so fairer uh they're based out of the uk that i guess they qualify as like an independent or micro brand and they're very adventure inspired watches you can say micro brand on this show okay it's not it's not a pejorative on this show okay okay Not, not a bad word Okay, so so they're they're based out of the UK. They're a microbrand, and usually they use Eta movements, and their design is just killer. Um, a, a very uh, utilitarian, very legible. Um, anytime that I see any of these watches, I just immediately go, "Oh man, I could see that. I could see that on my wrist, driving my truck, right. going up to Church Mountain, Winchester Mountain, whatever," and. I've been tracking them for forever because I like um, they have a, a a GMT the Lander two um, that just is killer. It's got that cool blue green dial. Sure, sure. Um, That's probably their most popular watch, I would say. Ease uh, probably easily. I mean, it's uh, thirty nine and a half millimeters. It's ten uh, millimeters deep. Uh, they use a two, uh, two eight nine three two uh, all top grade movement. You know, perlage everything, a whole nine yards. Uh, I think they run about just under fifteen hundred bucks, depending on what strap you get on it. Yeah. And I, I just I keep watching it, keep watching it, and I go, gosh, I, I just can't go to GMT. I, it just works great for when you know I've got a buddy who's deployed or whatever. I need to track where he's, what time zone he's in. But I really need, I want a real, real GM, uh, a, a real. Uh, world timer that I can track multiple time zones so I could keep tabs on everybody that I, I try to connect with. And all the other world timers I would find, you know, Patek Philippe or, you know, Vacheron or, and when I look at those kind of watches, they're very, I call it, they're very business class watches. And I, I don't mean that as a bad <laughs> thing, but I don't, even when I travel, I'm not business class, you know? Right. Um, I, you know, I'm, I, I afford what I can. And then when I, I land, I'm usually, you know, trekking or I'm backpacking or, sure. you know, I'm, I'm a lot more active and those watches I'd, I'd be afraid. I mean, door checking and I don't know if they would last on, on, uh, personally, it just, that's not, not my style. You want something that you can wear and not, and not be, not worry about it. Yeah. It's you, a, it's a tool. You, you know, I, I like I like Ferrer. I, I think where they are in terms of price is is fine, right? You you know right. they're they're sort of they live in that same world as Christopher Ward, yeah, um, totally. You know, or or perhaps you know, um, or perhaps some of these you know more dedicated uh, consumer grade Swiss brands. 
Um, but in any event, I think that the coolest thing about Ferrer is just their their design biology, right? They've got yes, uh, their design DNA is so distinct. Um, I, I actually sort of put them in the same class as Nomos, not in terms of quality yeah, totally. or uh, or whatever, but just in terms of when you see a Nomos, you're like, that's a Nomos. It's a Nomos. Yep. Uh, I, I no. feel the same way about Ferrer, right? That's a Ferrer. Yeah, I, I totally. I mean, you look at it and it doesn't look like it cribs off. Uh, it pay it, it pays respect to to probably um, British uh, watch design, uh, but you don't you look at it and it's it's pretty distinct. Like it, you you look at it and it goes, ah, I, I I don't see any Patek, I don't see any Vacheron, I don't see any. It, it's their own um, design language. Uh, all of their watches uh, have usually a name that's referenced to a an adventure or a ship or an excursion or in something. So the Rocher was was a was an, 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 a ship that found um, the island of Georgia, and uh, it's that's the story behind the Rocher. For me, uh, my wife and I got got married on San Juan Island here in Washington at Roche Harbor. So that was kind of our our kind of our little tongue in cheek version of of why my wife bought this for me. Um, <laughs> I like, but but I mean, realistically, what's what's cool about this is so so let me rewind. So I, I follow Fair because um, I, I one their photography is great. The photographers that they have for their stuff is just they nail it out of the park. And my wife even likes some of the stuff that they produce, and she's like, oh, it's close, but it just it's not it's not it's missing this thing. So they teased about a month ago uh, a red rotor and it says coming soon and it just said world time. And I just showed it to my wife and I go, if this is what I think it is, this is going to have to be something we're going to have to get. And she goes, okay, okay, yeah, okay, whatever, you know. The next morning, <laughs> the next morning, the, the minute they announced it, I sent it to my wife and this is the part that I didn't know. I send it to my wife and I go, oh my gosh, this is the world timer I've been dreaming of. It's a pretty steep price point. You know, it's it's like fifteen or sixteen hundred dollars. But this is my for me, this is my one and only world timer. Like this is it. I mean, it's it's adventure inspired. It's got a one hundred meter water resistance. And oh, I know I'm gonna get an amen from you. Amen. Uh it does not have a screw down crown. Fine. Uh, but you know, it's got an exhibition back, so you can see the the back of the movement. It's got a secondary crown at ten o'clock, so you can sync the twenty four hour zones, kind of paying again homage back up to our 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 main man at the top of the show, uh, Cartier. And the inside of the uh, the movement has a uh, an Etta. It's a twenty eight uh, two eight nine three dash and i always get the the dashes mixes mixed up because one's the gmt and one is the world time so this would be the uh 2893 um dash one dash one is the world time yeah yep and and that has the the 24 hour disc in the center so basically i set the the time local time uh by uh the the, the main crown i can set my 24 hour time uh, by the crown and I can resync uh, my time zones, but it's an active world timer as the the hours tick. It also ticks that that center disc and that's everything I've ever wanted. You know, um, I've even the moment I got this, uh, it, it kind of went on a very wet excursion. So I can I can honestly say that 100 meters water resistance definitely got tested. Thank you for <laughs> very sturdy gaskets in this. Um, but what I didn't know is, is when I sent that, I was like, oh my gosh, hon, this, this would be it. She literally ordered it then on the spot. Just boom. Literally any serial number I wanted. Like she just, she had it. And uh, yeah, so I mean, uh, so she got it and it was a big surprise for me. And uh, I didn't have it for when I met you. Otherwise, I'd have it. Uh, I know. I was sad. You got it basically right after. It was like a week after we hook it up. So yeah, yeah. So, but anyway. So yeah, that's that's my three GMT uh, slash World Timers that I have in my collection, and they all get wrist time. You know, they're they're all a different tool for a different job. But uh, honestly, the ferret hasn't come off my wrist since my wife got it for me. You, you know, I, I thought about I thought about taking the cheek boy out because I realized when you sent me your list that you were going to have all of your watches like in your hands, um, <laughs> and, and so I thought, well. I've got I've got the GMT watch. I've you got, do. I, I've got my I've got my G Shock. Yep. Uh, you know, <laughs> and so I thought about talking about that, but yeah, it's a little that's a little cheap. So I actually what I did is uh, in true forty and twenty fashion, I picked some watches that you might be able to buy you 
and you and you and you might be able to and buy you. and you today today so uh i i think for sure you can buy a ferro rocher if you want to if you if you want to shell out shell out the bucks uh they're available and they're awesome um gonna be a little bit harder to find this legant or or one of the seikos that that aj talked yeah. about and that's that's the nature of these things um but i i think it's i think it's worth a look right i think it's worth a look and an investigation and and some research and and the journey if that's your thing uh, i know some of you guys are very into uh vintage watches and you know i, I think it's a noble pursuit uh, you know, have a have a vintage chronograph, have a vintage this or that. But I think these vintage GMT slash World Time watches are a ton of fun. So, in terms of prices, I think you're looking at under a thousand dollars for for the Seikos in in pretty good mm-hmm. shape. Um, you're probably looking at under about three or four hundred bu- bucks for a Legant if you can find one in, yeah. in in pretty good shape. Um, <clears throat> however, I I being the sweetheart that I am, and I am a sweetheart. You are. Smoochie boochie, sweetheart. <laughs> I picked some watches that you know what? I, I don't want to hunt. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to search. Uh, I just want to go to the Amazon and and find a watch. Uh, I, I I got some stuff for you. So so I've got three of them. Uh, and, and the first the first watch I have is a watch from a company that we've never talked about on the show. I, I'm sure of it. Although I don't know why we haven't talked about it because it's a very very cool watch. Uh, very cool brand, but this is Braun, Braun, mm. uh, makers of radios and hair dryers, and perhaps the most well-recognized calculator on the face of the earth, made famous by n- not Dieter Rams, uh, but but perhaps by by my man Steve Jobs slash Joni Ive, uh, the calculator on your iPhone. Get it out, take a look at it. <laughs> is based on the Braun calculator, the Dieter Rams Braun calculator. So totally uh, is. Braun is a company that is steeped in design language, right? Perhaps more than any other company in the world, Braun has set iconic design language for all sorts of goods, household uh, gadgets and gizmos. Uh, they make a GMT watch, the Braun watch with the GMT hand. That's what it's called. They're so dedicated to minimalist language. The Braun Watch GMT. Uh, so this is reference number BN0142WHBLG. This is the white mm. dialed version of a watch Got that it. also comes in, in a couple other dial variations. Um, it's a 40 millimeter watch. It's a 40 millimeter watch with 22 millimeter lugs. I don't like that. It happens mm. occasionally. Brew does that too. Um, they're hooded lugs, so I, I think they can get away with it. It's got a, it's got, it's got some strap presence. I, I'd prefer a skinnier strap. Uh, Fifty meters of water resistance. This is, of course, a quartz GMT watch. Um, it's going to have you know an independently set hand, uh, GMT hand. Uh, they come with both Ronda and Miota quartz movements, uh, which is a thing some of these companies do in the effort to bring you the best possible prices. Um, but yeah. What do you think, AJ? I just love the. Oh yeah, I love the design. This is sort of a Bauhaus style GMT watch. No, no, this this is killer. Um, and the yeah, the the white one comes with like a uh, a blue kind of leatherish looking strap. I'd probably take that off personally. Yeah, but I, I, I get so. why they're doing it. The 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 GMT hand on theirs is is a blue, so they're kind of matching that, which is kind of kind of skookum. The the other two variants they've got is black dial. Uh, in a steel case and black dial and I think like a PVD or DLC case, which uh, I'm not a big black on black watch fan, but that aesthetic looks really killer with the yellow for the seconds, the blue for the GMT and then the GMT 24 hour track around the outside. Yeah. Looks killer. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, I I totally concur. Killer looking watch. Um, I guess that's all to say about it. I don't need to, I don't need to beat it into the ground, I guess, but um pretty neat watch now the second watch i have not available today from Mm -hmm. its manufacturer's website however still widely available much more available than say for instance aj's legant watch which (laughs) you're gonna have to you're gonna have to like i don't know become a picker to find uh but this is a, a watch from time factors now time factors i think is sort of a controversial company 
Um, every time we talk about them on the show, we get people say, "Ah, oh, time <laughs> factors." Uh, whatever. They're a, a company that sells pretty cool watches um, out of the UK. Uh, this is the Time Factor Speedbird GMT PRS-22 GMT. This is a 2893-2 watch, uh, which is obviously Etta's 2800 uh, GMT movement. Uh, this is a sort of a B-type. It looks like a B-type Flieger watch. Yeah, with a GMT hand, it, it's not a B-type Flieger uh, for a number of reasons. W- with that said, it, it fits that it fits that bill almost perfectly. Um, solid case back, you know, forty millimeters essentially, thirty nine, a little little over thirty nine, um, mm-hmm. forty six millimeter lug to lug, so it's going to wear super well. Just under twelve millimeters thick, twenty millimeters. Um, 20 millimeters on the lug space. It's just cool, man. Yeah. It's it, just it, cool. This kind of screen, like, yeah, the, the Speedbird kind of reminds me of like a Laco or, or something in that Totally. Vein. That's exactly yeah. what popped into my head is the, is the Laco B, the Achen, I think, or mm-hmm. the Augsburg. I can't remember. Um, you, you know, these are used for just about 800 bucks, 850 bucks. Uh, for a 2893-2, I think that that's mm-hmm. exactly right. Um, you you know, and it's going to be just a totally magnificent machine and they look cool. The loom on the dial looks perfect. It's sort of that blue BGW nine type loom. Um, and I think it's fantastic. I think you can get one if you wanted something a little bit nicer, um, you you know, some, something a little bit nicer and, and maybe a little bit, uh, in that time factors way with sort of historical significance without actually being historical. I love these, man. I think they're super cool. Nothing more to say about them. So I'm going to talk about my third watch. This is a watch you can buy today hmm. for almost no money. Ooh. It's got an automatic movement. Oh, wow. It's a world time. Hot dog. Bernhard. Yeah. Binnacle. World time. Yes. Uh, so this is a, uh, 9,000, uh, series Miyota movement, 9015 movement, uh, 42 millimeter tonneau slash cushion case, 200 meters of water resistance, sapphire comes on a dope shark mesh. If you like that sort of thing. And I not hugely inclined towards that, but whatever. Um, but God damn, 200 (laughs) meters for under 300 bucks, 285 bucks. I think when I looked earlier on this thing. 200 meters, 9015, world timer with a bezel. So this is a passive, as you'd call yep. it, a passive world time watch. So not the movement is just a Miyota 9015 three-hand movement, but it does everything you need to tell the time in Perry, mm-hmm. if that's what you want to do, or New York. Love it. Yeah. No, I looked at this, actually, before when I was hunting for the, the Legant. Right. So the cool thing is, is like, you know, you got the second crown, you can sync it up with with your local time zone and that way you can track everything passively, which is great. But this has got a Miyota 9015 in it. It's a contemporary movement. Yeah. You don't, like you said, yeah, if you go vintage, you're going to have to pick. And obviously, you know, you don't know what the service record is. So you're going to end up paying more to have it serviced and get it back to working condition. This is turnkey at 300 bones, you know, uh, 41 and a half millimeters. Love it. The thickness on this thing is the only thing that gets me. It's on a this chunk, one, man. It's a chunk. It is a, yeah, it's a, it's a thick case. You, you know, Fred doesn't even tell you how thick it is. Cause it's like, he's like, I don't really want to put 18 and a half millimeters thick, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't get with a 9015 movement either. Like, no. but, but I bet you he did it because of, because of the water resistance. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that's right. And it's got sapphire. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, it's it's a it's a great watch, but it's a chunk. Yeah. It's it's not going to be a svelte uh, no. under your tight dress shirt cuff. Mm-hmm. So you just move the button, you'll be fine. Yep, you'll just move the button. Well, move the button. That that's my third watch. I, we've got a whole list here of other um, watches that you had sort of brought up to talk about. I think we're going to skip yeah. them, and, sure. and 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 that's okay. We can maybe link to them in the show notes if I do show notes someday again. Um, <laughs> But AJ, did you did you by any chance did you by any chance come with an other thing in hand? 
another thing in hand. Well, I have my microphone. I have my coffee. I have my or my tea. My 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 well, watch. What other so, thing are you talking about? So you know this this is the show where we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. And, and this is the time time of the show where we talk about other things we like. Uh, I, I assumed you being our sort of our our sort of go to co host that you might have just uh, thought about. It. No. No, I didn't. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> totally. But fine. If, you, if you if you get if you get it rolling, I can I can come up with something. Yeah. Well. So so I mean, this has been uh this has been a weird week for us, and yeah, and some of that has to do with babies. Some of that has to do with the fact that my kitchen. I I, I maybe I can probably post a picture on the Instagram, but my kitchen is sort of no more. It, it's gone. The, the whole thing is just gone. I, I mean, the space is still there, but the things the things that you might think about being in a kitchen are, are not there. Mm. Um, and and my children had lice this week. What? Which is terrible. Oh, it, dude, I, I am so sorry. That's a rough week. It, it's like one of these like it's like one of these shameful things like i feel like i <laughs> i'm embarrassed about it all right it just happens right they're kids and they're in school and who, who knows how the heck happens but so i've been eating i've been eating very poorly i i made the decision you know gosh without a kitchen we can't cook so it's not a great time for me to be dedicated to keto because you know i eat keto by and large mm-hmm. um but i thought you know it, it's in between thanksgiving and christmas it makes sense for me just to sort of back this off for a minute and just relax in the interest of having a sane family. And so what, what the, the, the end result of that is that I wind up eating a lot of cookies because I love cookies, right? So just because I'm not eating keto, I must eat everything that's terrible in the world. And, and I've decided that uh, as much as I love chocolate chip cookies and as much as I love those little Christmas, the peanut butter Hershey Kiss cookies... I don't know what you call those. I think my very favorite cookie is a sugar cookie with a simple, simple cream frosting on it. And so that's my other thing for this week is a simple sugar cookie with cream frosting. I think maybe the most perfect food in the world. It's unobjectionable. It's always good, and it's just perfect. So I came, I in fact, right before we recorded, I had two of these things. I had two of these things. One of them was a star, and one of them was a Christmas tree. And as I was sitting there pondering the show, I was thinking, golly, someone's got to tell the world. Someone's got to tell the world how amazing these sugar cookies are, and we should talk about them. We should talk about them, get the word out, let the people know. Sugar cookies, cream frosting is the truth. If you haven't had one or ten already, make a batch with your kids. They're super easy. They'll love it. They get to, they get to put frosting on them in any design they want. That's it. That's my other thing for the week. AJ, are we going to wrap or do you have something? I got something. Now that I, you had to get my juices flowing. I was inspired by your cookies and, and your festival <laughs> frivolitry. <laughs> Uh, something from your neck of the woods, north of of your neck of the woods, actually. Uh, so here in Bellingham, we've got our we we've got our own kombucha, um, you know, place, and it's all good. But I actually got to say, out of I believe they're out of Portland. Uh, ever heard of Brew Doctor? I have. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So Brew Doctor kombucha, they have this seasonal one that comes out called Vanilla Oak. And even if you're not big into kombucha, like maybe you're like, uh, AJ, you're a little bit too hippie for me. Look, <laughs> no, here's the I like thing. kombucha. Here, here's the thing, okay? My wife is kind of on the fence when it comes to, to bucha. She's like, eh, it's, uh, it's okay. She had one sip of this and she's like, oh my God, this tastes like vanilla cream soda. But it's healthy. So if my wife likes this, if you can find it, like I said, it's a limited reserve or whatever the heck they call it. Uh, if you can find a bottle of Brew Doctor Kombucha Vanilla Oak, especially if you are trying to be a little bit more healthy uh, and you like cream soda, try it. And it's very seasonal. It's very festive. It's I, vanilla. I dig it. You know what? They make a Pink Lady 
They make a pink lady kombucha that's available in the summers. It's also fantastic. Ooh, I have not tried that one yet. All right, AJ. Anything else that you got for the people? No, uh, I love your people. Yeah, I love them too. Hey, thank you for joining us this week, AJ. I really appreciate you being here. And thank you for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20. Feel free to check us out on Instagram at 40 and 20. Also, if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash 40 and 20. That's where we get all our money for hosting and the other things we have to pay for to bring you the show every week. Don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye. <laughs>